Our church has a great future. All right. Who said amen just now? Now, be honest. Who said amen? All right, but Kent, you're never going to say amen again. <laughs> but Kent, tell me briefly why you said amen. I said amen. Uh, our church has a great future because uh, we've got a, we get the truth speaking to us here, and we've got a great bunch of followers of the word. And people are dedicated, uh, and they're faithful. And faithfulness will carry you through life. Amen. Very good. Who else said amen? All right. Ms. Pam, why, why do we have a great future? Pretty simple. We have a lot of young people in this church. Amen. Brother Tyler's talking about his class this morning. They had 59. 59. That's almost 30 young couples. Um, so, yeah, that's a great point. Why did, why did, Jennifer, why did you say that? Because we have great leaders. All right, great leaders. All right, somebody, yes, ma'am. Because we're reaching people outside of the church to Christ. Amen, amen. All right, somebody else, who said amen? Why did you say it? All right, Brother Bill, and then Virginia, then we'll be done here. Well, I walked in this morning, and I saw two families that I knew real well in the community that we're visiting, and I keep seeing all these visitors coming every week, and I think that's just awesome that we're reaching out in our community. Amen. Good. Virginia? My thought was that we have uh, many young people that are being taught the word. Amen. Amen. All right. So, don't let that, uh, don't let that scare you from saying amen. Uh, by the way, church, thank you for helping me this morning. Uh, I think that was very important. And uh, so I is, is tough, difficult message for me to preach, um, but there are a lot of people here who were supportive verbally of the message today, and, and I'm, I'm just telling you, that is such a huge blessing, and it's an encouragement to any preacher who stands here. When I say our church has a great future, um, I don't think I'm viewing that through rose-colored glasses. I don't say that tonight to try and flatter you or, or be sentimental or to play on your emotions. I simply believe that based on the Word of God, the potential for Fellowship Baptist Church is to have a great future. And I realize that that... <laughs> no more amens after this. I'm not calling on anybody else, okay? It's good. Loosen up. All right, here, Brother Todd, take this microphone, because some of these people will not believe me. Okay, you see that? He has the microphone. Loosen up a little bit, okay? Mercy. Let me say that again. I think, based on the Word of God, the potential is there for Fellowship Baptist Church to have a great future. There we go. And I realize tonight, for... Maybe you're a guest here, and you think, well, that's a bit presumptuous. Um, so I want to tell you why I believe that tonight. Many reasons, there are a lot of reasons for that, but I'm going to give you three tonight from the text that we're going to read from Matthew um, 16, which is really one of the most important, I believe one of the most important biblical passages 
dealing with the subject of the church. Matthew chapter 16, if you have your Bible, I want you to follow with me as I begin reading in verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto unto them, But whom ye say that I am? That's what others are saying, but fellas, you tell me, who do you think I am? Peter spoke up, verse 16, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, that's to Peter, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Let me give you three reasons real quick from our text why I believe Fellowship Baptist Church has a great future. Number one, because the Lord promises personal construction. Notice he said, I will build my church. He didn't look at his disciples and and say, you will build my church or somebody else will build my church. Jesus took personal responsibility for building his church. And by the way, this isn't simply a prediction. This is a promise. He said, I will. In this statement, Jesus is committing himself personally to the task of building his church. He is guaranteeing its rise. And all of this tells me that the prospects of a great church being built here are as bright as the sun, S-O-N, himself. Now, I find it interesting to note the place where Jesus chose to make this historic proclamation to his disciples. It was in the midst of Gentile territory in the region of Caesarea Philippi. They were about 200 kilometers or about 125 miles from Jerusalem in the northern part of Palestine. Jesus chose a place that was known for pagan religions. At one time, Caesarea Philippi had been a center for Baal worship. One scholar writes that there were 14 temples of Baal worship in that particular area. 
There was a hill with a cave that is said to be the birthplace of Pan, the Greek god of fertility and nature. As you approached the city, you would have seen a glistening white temple. That would have been Caesar's temple. You would have been struck by the might and the declared divinity of Rome. And it was under the shadow of rival religions and Caesar's own temple that Jesus said, I will build my church. And and, and I point that out simply to say this. It doesn't matter what city you're located in or where you're located in that city. If the Lord decides that he wants a work built there, then he will get the job done with our help, I might add. In other words, if we're willing to do our part, then you rest assured, church, God's going to do his part. I'm glad that Jesus said that he was going to be involved personally in building his church Because the truth of the matter is, you and I couldn't build a church if our lives depended on it. We'd get about as far as the congregation that decided to build a new building and whose building committee passed the following resolutions. We shall build a new church. The new building is to be located on the side of the old one. The material in the old building is to be used in the new one. We shall continue to use the old building until the new one is completed. That sounds about as productive as any committee I've ever known. Listen to Psalm 127 and verse 1. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Church, let's understand tonight, this is God's work. This isn't Bill Prater's work. This isn't Tyler Prater's work. This isn't uh, Mike Collins' work or, 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 or Paul Corlew's work or Sid Prater's work or the work of some deacon or the work of some group of men or some committee of men or some class of people. This is the Lord's work. I love what the psalmist said. He said, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. Here's the second reason why I believe I can say safely that our church has a great future. It's because the Lord prefers plain Christians. Plain Christians. Some mistakenly interpret the Lord's words in Matthew 16, 18 that, to mean that, that the church was built on Peter or on Peter's confession. But that's just not the case. In the Greek, the word Peter is the word Petros, which refers to a, a piece of rock, a little, a little piece of rock. The Greek word for rock is the word Petra, which, which means a mass of rock. So in essence, verse 18 reads, Thou art Petros, a, a piece of rock. As Jesus is looking at Peter, you're, you're, a, you're a small pebble. You're a, a little stone. You're just a, a small piece of stone. But upon this Petra, speaking of himself, this massive stone, this rock, I will build my church. 
Jesus didn't build the church on Peter. He didn't even build it on Peter's confession. Jesus built him, the church on himself. And we must remember that Jesus was speaking to his disciples who were well grounded in the Old Testament scriptures. So they would have known that in the Old Testament, the word rock was never used symbolically of a man. It was only used figuratively of God or of Christ. They would have known that. They would have understood that. So again, what Christ is, uh, was saying is, upon this rock, upon God, upon himself as God, I will build my church. Now then, that's not to say that Peter was not instrumental in the work of God. That's not to say that, that he was casting Peter aside and somehow telling Peter, well, you're irrelevant and, and really of no use in this, this uh, grand work of, uh, of building the church. That's not what he was saying at all. Because in our study of the book of Acts, we've read about Peter a lot. As a matter of fact, in the first 12 chapters of Acts, Peter's name is mentioned some 50 times. It's found in every chapter except for chapter 6 and 7, which tell the story of Stephen. Up until uh, Paul came along, Peter was perhaps the most influential human instrument that the Lord used in the work of building the church. So again, he wasn't saying, well, Peter, you just need to step back, son, because you're not important to me, and I really don't have any use for you, and you're irrelevant when it comes uh, to building the church. No, what he was saying was this, I'm going to build a church on myself, but you men are going to have a part in it. You men are going to help. Now, what do we know about Peter? <laughs> we know he wasn't perfect. We know he had his faults. Perhaps the most famous thing we know about Peter is that he denied the Lord three times. You remember that? As he was warming himself by the fire, Jesus had already told him, Peter, listen to me, before the cock crows tonight, you're going to deny me three times. And sure enough, so I said, oh, I know you, you're one, you're, you're one of his. Peter said, no, I'm not. Somebody else said, hey, I, I remember you, your, your voice, your, 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 uh, uh, your words, uh, uh, they, they betray you. He said, no, 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 I'm not. And then a third person approached him, and for a third time he said no, and then boom, we know the story, the cock crowed. And Peter went out and he wept bitterly. So we know Peter wasn't a perfect man. Peter had his faults. I mean, it's like he was always saying the wrong thing. Yet God chose to restore him, John chapter 21, and strengthen him and use him in a special way. And church, here's what I want to say tonight. If God can use Peter, then God can use any of us. I want you to, just a minute, look at the person to the right of you real quick. Look at the person to the right of you. Maybe across the hall or across the aisle. Look to the person to the left of you. Now look at me. 
if you were God and you're going to build a church, would you use any of us? I wouldn't. Listen, whether we would choose to use any of us or not is irrelevant. God has chosen us. And God has set us apart in this body as it has pleased him. Just over the course of the last couple of weeks, God put Wallace and Amy Williams in this body because it pleased him. He put Rebecca Strand in this body because it pleased him. And if you are a part of this body, you are a part of this body because God and his divine wisdom has chosen to plant you here, to put you here. And I am thoroughly convinced, be turning to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 if you would, uh, and, and, and I totally believe this is, is, is scriptural. I'm not necessarily going to use this scripture to prove it. Um, but I'm absolutely convinced, based upon the word of God, that when we get saved, God gives us at least one spiritual gift to use in his ministry. To build up saints and to glorify God. And so I say that to say this tonight, church. If God has seen fit to bring you here and to place you in this body, it's because you have something to offer. Everybody is somebody in the body. There aren't any insignificant people here tonight. We're all important, and we all have a purpose, and God wants to use every one of us in the building of his church. Look at verse 26, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. For you see your calling, brethren. Remember, the, the point tonight is this, is that, that the Lord prefers plain Christians. And here's what Paul said to the Corinthians. For you know your calling, brethren, how that not many uh, wise men after the flesh, not many mighty men not many noble are called now listen it says many not any it's not like there's not any noble people there's not any uh intelligent people there's not any uh uh well-known people that's not what he said the point that he makes is is there's there may be a few but there's there's not many and again the point that paul is making is listen corinthians you're important it doesn't matter how insignificant you may be to people around you, you mean something to God. Verse 27, that God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. And look at verse 29. Here's why God has chosen to do that. That no flesh, that's you and I, that no one should glory in his presence. You know why God chooses plain Christians? It's, it's so we can't stand there and gloat about everything we've done. 
we can't somehow shine the spotlight on ourselves and say, look at me, I'm special, I'm super gifted, and I'm super talented, and that's why God chose me. No, God doesn't choose those kinds of people most of the time. He chooses plain people like us from Southwest Kansas who just work ordinary jobs, do ordinary things, and I'm looking around and I'm just seeing some ordinary people, some educators and some daycare providers and some linemen and some construction people and some students, some law enforcement people, some fire people, some mechanics, some business owners. I mean, really not, I don't even know if I should say this or not, but really not all that impressive. We're as common as dirt. But God has chosen us. And God has said, I'm going to bring you together at 310 West Pancake. And if you'll let me, I'm going to try to do something extraordinary through a rather ordinary group of people. God prefers plain Christians. Look at chapter 2. Are you with me? Chapter 2, and I, brethren, when I came to you, Paul's now talking about himself. He, he's talked about them. Now he's talking about himself. He said, when I came to you, said, I didn't come with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling and my speech and my preaching was not with exciting words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Again, here's why. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. You know why God has chosen to just put a, a simple, not that flashy, not that smart, uh, bus kid in the pulpit is your pastor. You know, I got has chosen to do that, verse 5, so that your faith wouldn't be in man, but your faith would be in God. <coughs> Listen, it doesn't take a group of multi-talented, super sharp, flashy church-building professionals to accomplish the Lord's work. Brother Tyler and I and Brother Mike just spent, was it last week we were in Oklahoma City? Last week we were in Oklahoma City at the National Church Planning Conference, and I'm just telling you, <laughs> when they, they bring up some of these brothers that are building churches on the Navajo Reservation, they, these guys aren't flashy. They're not super talented. They're not someone that, that you say, ooh, man, I want to buy his book. I want to go to his church. No, you probably don't. It's just an adobe hut. It doesn't compare to this. But I'm telling you, those men are getting a, getting a job done. Am I making sense tonight? You know why we have a, a, a great future? Because we're just common people. 
We're just ordinary people. And the reason God uses folks like us is to show that the excellency of the power is of him and not of ourselves. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 7. So, the Lord promises personal construction. This is why we have a great future. And because he prefers plain Christians. But let me show you one other thing back in verse 18 of, of Matthew 16. The Lord provides protection continuously. Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And look at this. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Brother Tyler mentioned this this morning. I preached a, a series last year, year before last, on Sunday mornings on spiritual warfare. I'm not sure any of us really understand how much the devil hates a spirit-filled, energized, excited, active, growing church. I'm not sure we really get it. How much God despises churches that are serious about preaching the gospel and reaching people for eternity. But I'm going to tell you, those kind of churches have got to be on his hit list, like way up top. I'm sure that this past year, as we'll see here in a little while, we'll, we moved a few notches closer to Satan's hit list. And I'll be honest with you, I, I hope we can spit in the devil's eye again this year and move even closer. Because we've done more this year than we did last year. But let me tell you something, there's, there's a caution that goes with that. I'm not, just, I'm just not standing here bragging and boasting and, and, and looking for, for trouble. But if we're going to move forward, if we're going to become the church that God really wants us to be, then with every passing day, we need to make sure that we move a little closer to the one who promised to protect us. And those of you with kids or grandkids and they're standing by your side, it happens to me out here in a foyer all the time. You bend down, you want to want to talk to a, a kid and they don't know you. They're just this ugly bald guy with hair on his face. And he's coming down here in my bubble. And so what do they do? They scoot a little closer or they'll come back behind. And listen... Spiritually, that's where we need to find ourselves in 2019. We better be moving closer to Jesus. And we better be seeking refuge and shelter in the one who's promised to give it to us. I mentioned a moment ago a spirit-filled, energized, excited, active, growing church. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Come on. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. That's the kind of church I want to give my time to. That's the kind of church that, that I want to put my effort into and I want to pour my resources into that kind of ministry. And that's the kind of church that God wants us to be. 
And the devil will do everything he can to keep us from being that kind of church. Our church has a great future. And I'm excited about it. And I trust that you'll be excited about being a part of what God is, is going to do this year in Fellowship Baptist Church. I don't know of anything else, and I say this with all of my heart, I don't know of anything else I'd rather be doing than the Lord's work. And I don't know of any other place, and I've had the opportunity and privilege to be in a lot of other places all across the nation doing ministry, but I'm telling you, I don't know of another place I'd rather be doing the work of the Lord than right here in Fellowship Baptist Church. And I don't know of any other people that I'd rather be hooking up, linking arms with than those people who call Fellowship Baptist home. They're good people. Not perfect people. I'm not a perfect pastor. But I want God to use us. I want God to manifest himself in this place in incredible ways in 2019. And as we've said a number of times already since the year started and we've introduced our theme, we want you to go with us. Listen, we, want, we, don't, we don't want to have to be dragging you along all year. We want you to get up here, get right beside us, and let's go together. Let's keep pace. And if we see somebody falling off pace and dragging behind, let's love them. Let's encourage them. Hey, get up. Come on, don't be weary and well-doing. We looked at that this morning in our Bible classes. Come on, you can do it. I know you've been doing it for 30 years, but come on, stay up with us. Let's go. Let's go together. That's the kind of church family that we ought to be. And I believe it will be that kind of church family. And God will allow us to do some incredible things together this year. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful.